What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to The Joel Bynes Show. Grateful for you being here, as always. Let's continue to dig in to this meaningful topic of self-esteem, this foundation, in many ways, of a healthy world when we as individuals choose to engage in an intentional relationship with ourself, to more specifically to connect with our inner reality and to be aware of the thoughts, the feelings in our consciousness, and to cultivate dialogues with those aspects of ourselves and to cultivate connection and to cultivate awareness and to create an integrated system of consciousness so we can step out into the world and interface with the world with wholeness, right? As opposed to denying and disowning parts of ourselves. And so when we do that in an integrated way, then we build from the inside out a world, starting with our own world, of that self-assertiveness, of that self-acceptance, of that consciousness, of that authenticity, of that awareness, of that self-integrity, of that autonomy, of that freedom. We can get these needs met and that makes life more wonderful for ourselves. And by extension, it makes life more wonderful for others. When you give from abundance, when you show up with the highest version of yourself, with the most integrated version of yourself, rather than suppressing or sacrificing, then that's a gift to others. And it inspires and influences others and it perhaps gives them permission to do the same. And we can continue to influence one another when we take responsibility for our own self-esteem and we can evolve this wonderful species known as humanity to a healthier world. And so I've already mentioned here a few of the six pillars, taking responsibility, self-assertiveness, living with integrity. And today we're going to focus on the second pillar, which is the practice of self-acceptance and of course, that builds off of the first pillar, living consciously, because really these two pillars dance together quite foundationally when you see that the essence is, if we simplify it, be conscious of what is, and then be accepting of that fact. And when we say fact, we might be saying it is the objective fact that I'm having this subjective experience. I'm having this feeling in my body right now. Well, maybe you don't like that feeling. Maybe you wish you were having a different feeling. However, if we're being in a place of self-acceptance, we are observing the sensation in your body that we might call sadness or whatever the feeling is. And we are accepting the fact that it is occurring. And that is foundational to this concept of self-acceptance. And that's really what Brandon is highlighting. And he is very clear to convey that self-acceptance does not necessarily mean that you like what you see. But it means being congruent with the facts of reality. And so that could be inner reality, that could be outer reality. Maybe you see a certain amount of money in your bank account. Okay, can we be accepting of that fact? Rather than push away. Rather, rather than evade it, rather than sort of disassociate from the fact. If it's 
if it's uncomfortable, we, there could be parts of us that want to deny it and disassociate from the fact if we have we have uncomfortable feelings coming up as we see, say, the certain number in your bank account. Well, the fact is the fact. So it behooves us to be accepting of that fact. And if we actually want to change the situation, we'll be better off by accepting the fact. If we continue to deny it and push it away, then it's just going to stay the same in terms of if you, if you want that situation to change, then it will only stay the same if you evade it, if you turn a cold shoulder on that fact. But if you have the courage to look reality in the eye, even if it's prickly, even if that cactus of your inner reality, maybe there's, maybe there's prickliness by addressing and confronting and accepting your actual emotional state that comes up as you face the reality of certain amount in your bank account. Maybe, maybe it feels prickly. There's a cactus inside of you, so to speak. Well, if we have the courage to embrace that cactus with unconditional self-love, then we have a, an opportunity to springboard to, to shift that reality to something that's more needs-fulfilling. And so Brandon articulates in his chapter on self-acceptance that self-acceptance is my refusal to be in an adversarial relationship to myself. And it really comes down to this idea of befriending yourself and being in connection with what is. And when you have that connection, you become that best friend. What's a best friend, right? It's a best friend that's there for you no matter what and is going to support you no matter what the situation. Well, can we be that best friend for ourselves, for the different aspects and parts of ourselves? So it's to be on your own side. It's to be for yourself. It is essential to orient towards a commitment to love yourself unconditionally and to believe that your existence matters. Of course, oftentimes in our childhoods, we grow up with conditioning that has us fragmenting our psyche and creating beliefs about ourselves that, for instance, I don't matter, or I'm not worthy, or nobody cares about me, or I'm never going to be successful, or these types of self-worth fractures, essentially, as we go through various degrees of traumatic experience then we get the messaging in a very self-sacrificial culture that our individuality is not important. That's another belief people have in the subconscious, I'm not important. Right, so the practice of self-acceptance gives us the opportunity to A, be aware of those parts of ourselves that might have stories that are in perhaps contradiction to a life-serving integrated psyche. But self-acceptance gives us this meta opportunity to welcome all that is and to realize, hmm, yeah, this is happening. Yeah, I grew up in this environment and these parts of me were formed and maybe I feel disappointed and bummed out. 
that that's the case. But I'm going to accept all of that at a meta level. Accept that there's parts of me that have fears and have worthiness wounds. And there's other parts that maybe are sad that that's the case at all to begin with. And I can, I can be in this meta capital S self and observing all parts of me. And to say all parts are welcome. I'm here. That capital S self, as Richard Schwartz articulates, the founder of Internal Family Systems Therapy, that capital S self is that unconditionally loving self that's the witness, the silent witness, you could call it, that's there in this state of calm, curiosity, creativity, clarity, compassion, courage, confidence, connection. And as we connect to that capital S self, we are in that state of leadership of our psyche. And we can gather the facts of our external and internal lives with that compassion and clarity and connection and simply be, simply be with what is. And it's interesting, perhaps for me, I've been practicing these six pillars for like actively for for a decade or so and i would say this pillar has been one of the more difficult ones for me historically uh because i've had such a desire to grow and change and make things better and a tendency to be very future-oriented. And that's brought many benefits to be in that purpose-driven. Like the purpose element for me has been, which is the fifth pillar of self-esteem, has been one of the stronger suits. And I've given myself, at an intellectual level, I've given myself a lot of self-talk, positive self-talk around accepting myself. However, self-acceptance is really more than admitting or acknowledging facts. It's actually being with them. And it's that sinking in and truly connecting to what is that is the essence of self-acceptance. And so, so Brandon articulates this. He says, to accept is more than simply to acknowledge or admit. It is to experience, stand in the presence of, contemplate the reality of, absorb into my consciousness. I need to open myself to and fully experience unwanted emotions, not just perfunctorily recognize them. For example, suppose my wife asks me, how are you feeling? And I answer in a tense, distracted manner, rotten. Then she says sympathetically, I see that you're feeling really depressed today. Then I sigh. The tension begins to flow out of my body. And in an altogether different tone of voice, the voice of someone who is now real to himself, I say, yes, I am feeling miserable, really miserable. And then I begin to talk about what is bothering me. So this sinking in to perhaps unwanted emotions is the essence of self-acceptance. And so historically for me, that's that level of self-acceptance has been more challenging, perhaps. Because it's one thing to say on the surface level, oh yeah, I, I accept, I feel this. 
but you might be intellectually accepting rather than somatically accepting. So it's this this integration of mind and body, right? And I'm reminded of a, a story from Tara Brock who wrote the book Radical Acceptance. And she, in one of her podcasts, she tells a story conveying a scene from the the movie The Horse Whisperer. And this is a movie, it's Robert Redford and um, Scott Johansson when she was a, a child. And anyhow, the essence of the movie is there's a traumatized horse and Robert Redford is this, known to be this horse whisperer who can, can connect with any horse supposedly and and um help that horse heal but this horse is very traumatized from a an accident and so he begins to connect with this horse and at one point the horse breaks free from its um the area in which they were working and it, it runs out into this field and it's you know getting space from Robert Redford and Robert Redford goes after the horse and into this big field and the horse is on on one side perhaps a hundred yards away and Robert Redford simply kneels down and is just with the horse in his presence he's not trying to change the horse he's not trying to ask the horse to do anything he's not saying anything He's simply with the horse. And he stays in this crouched position for several hours until sunset. And he just is being with that horse and signaling that he unconditionally respects, accepts, and loves what is happening. And eventually the horse, on his own accord trots over towards towards the horse whisperer. And so Tara Brock is conveying this power when it comes to accepting the parts of ourselves that we might not like. Perhaps we have a part of us that's wanting to control things, wanting to protect ourselves, wanting to go a million, mile, a million miles an hour or... And you might have an awareness to how that is getting in the way of your flourishing. But to try to override that part of you, to try to push it away or or conquer it or willpower yourself through it, it's not gonna it's not gonna create any benefit, really. You might have a short term. I'm gonna force myself to do this or force myself to not do that in order to get a certain need met in the short term to some degree. But if we want to truly create self-integration and wholeness and self-trust and self-esteem, then it behooves us to truly sit and crouch and be in loving awareness with what is. Sometimes that means allowing that fearful state to be there and feeling it fully, welcoming it fully. And letting go of wanting to change it. Embracing the uncertainty or the fear, the worry, the the somberness, the mourning. Perhaps there's a mourning about a certain situation you're in in life. 
and you just have this other party that really just wants it to be different. And the acceptance, the self-acceptance piece is an opportunity to be in that capital S self and be just complete connection and compassion with what is. And that's how we want to operate, you know, as we navigate day-to-day life. We want to be the hero in our own story for always delaying our, our gratification or our happiness or treating ourselves harshly in order to get some future benefit. Or we're always just going to keep punting on self-acceptance. I mean, you want to get to the end of life and maybe you muscled your way through life's challenges. And then you look back and you're, you're 85 years old and you know that there's only so many breaths left. And you look back on your journey and you see how much you denied yourself, how much you criticized yourself. Of course, if you did get to that, that spot, there would always be the opportunity for self-acceptance, even at that age. But what if we can create that self-kindness now and navigate the journey of this gift of life with continued unrelenting, unrelenting acceptance, kindness, love, and embracing our fallibility, that we were prone to errors. And especially when we grew up in a culture that is essentially traumatizing us through power over strategies and disrespecting our autonomy and our mind. And so we have a couple decades worth of foundational wiring that, and so we begin to um, process our, our experience growing up in a, a domination culture through our experience with, with, with authority from parents and school teachers and so forth, and where our self-esteem is not nurtured. So we're not given that trust to, by and large, we're not given that trust to go cultivate our own sense of self. And so it's even more essential to come back to self-acceptance when you recognize that you perhaps experienced decades, years, or decades of, of this conditioning that has stifled your ability to be whole. And so you might be prone to certain patterns in your life or tendencies that end up getting in your own way. And if we take this zoom out mindset of self-acceptance, then we can befriend the process and love each, each component of our psyche. And the more we do that, the more those parts warm up to us, even the parts that are doing the criticizing, to have that curiosity, huh, this part of me has having this voice in me that it's painful to hear the, the comments in this, from this voice. Hmm. Can I start with being aware, conscious of what that is, and then accepting, huh, that's happening, and really sinking into it and feeling it. And then maybe we can take, at that point, we have the opportunity to make some space with that, get some clarity, like, oh, there's this other voice that's saying these things, huh? I wonder what's alive in that voice. What's underneath that voice? That part saying, oh, you should be working harder. Oh, you're always being lazy. Hmm. Can we become conscious of that and just sink into the the truth of that and, and crouch down in the meadow and observe that part? Unconditional acceptance. 
And perhaps that, that critic can begin to soften a bit for you as you just give it attention. And perhaps it might naturally trot over to you at some point and tell you what's actually motivating it. Maybe that part ends up telling you, I'm feeling, I'm feeling afraid. I'm feeling afraid of being alone. Oh, I'm here for that too. And, you know, and then there's that opportunity to sort of proceed to that third pillar of self-esteem, which is self-responsibility. Say, so how do I choose to respond with ability to what I see? What facts I see? But when we skip over the being and just the crouching down in the meadow to connect with what is, it, begin, it becomes more difficult to respond with ability because you don't really know what you're responding to. So oftentimes this is a, a slowing down process to really sink in and say, you know what, maybe I don't need to take action. Not quite yet. It doesn't mean that self-acceptance does not mean that we simply resign ourselves to the facts. That is not self-acceptance. That is a, a distorted definition of self-acceptance. Self-acceptance allows us permission to sink in and embrace that cactus, embrace that horse in the meadow, and simply be, and be our own best friend. <laughs>